Thank you for joining us. The Dacus Report is on the air to defend your religious freedom, your parental rights, and other civil liberties. And now, with the latest information, is your host, the president of the Pacific Justice Institute, Brad Dacus. Welcome to the Dacus Report. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Brad Dacus, president of the Pacific Justice Institute. First, I'd like to talk to the Pacific Justice Institute attorney, the PJI attorney of Wisconsin, Carol Lee uh, Ferraro. Carol Lee, thank you very much for being on the program. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So, uh, you know, Carol, you, you've been uh, there with Pacific Justice Institute. Uh, you've got an office there. Just sort of give a first off a, a heads up on uh, to the audience about uh, what you do and uh, there in Wisconsin. Um, well, I provide free legal service to those in need of defense of their religious liberties and their parental rights. And it's been um, it's been quite a ride. I'll tell you the last six months, seven months here in Wisconsin. Yeah, I know you've dealt with a number of people wanting to keep their jobs and not lose their jobs because of their faith, uh, because of their sincerely held religious beliefs about possibly taking a, a, a very controversial experimental vaccine. Uh, I know you've helped a lot of people like that, or you're helping a lot of people like that. Uh, but you're also very sensitive to other areas of religious freedom and, and parental rights. And consequently, I know you've been watching very closely uh, the, the Wisconsin Supreme Court uh, consideration of a school district's gender identity policy. Can you give a brief introduction of what this policy is? It's a disturbing trend that we're seeing in the state of Wisconsin and nationwide where school districts are taking a policy to affirm um, a student or a child's gender transitioning um, a social transition from their biological gender. And Madison Metropolitan School District, or MMSD, enacted a written policy entitled Guidance and Policies to Support Transgender, Non-Binary, and Gender Expansive Students. And what this policy does is it enables a child at any age to socially transition at school without notifying the parents or getting consent from the parents. And so the child will begin using a, a different pronoun and a different name in order to socially trans, transition to this new gender identity. Now, um, wait, now let me just uh, stop you there. So they're saying a child has a right to do that, to come to school, dress differently, or even change their clothes there at school, I assume, if they want to keep parents from knowing about it, uh, demand a different pronoun, um, irrespective of whether or not this is in the psychologically in the best interest of the child pursuant to uh, perhaps a psychiatrist, maybe he's giving the child treatment, maybe the parents are, have the child in a program to resolve some, some issues, some trauma, you know, contributing to this dysphoria. That's nowhere in the picture. This is just a, a right that would be given to these kids. Uh, what about the teacher letting the parents know? I mean, surely the, the, parent, the teacher can, at the very least, notify the parents of, of this major behavioral change taking place with their child. No, actually the written policy prohibits a teacher or any staff member within the district to notify or get consent from the parent unless the child gives the teacher or the staff member consent to inform the parent. So, and not only are the, is the staff member or the teacher prohibited, they are informed to deceive the parents, meaning that when the family is around, they're to use the biological gender name, the biological name and the corresponding pronoun. 
And then when the parents are not around and the child is in the school setting, they can use what the pronoun and the name that the child decides. I, I, if, if I was a parent in that school district, I would be outraged. I would pull my child from that school immediately. This is a, a clear breach of parental trust. It also causes confusion to the child. You're, you're using one pronoun, they're using another pronoun, then you're going back and forth. Uh, I mean, this is, we're, we're talking about sensitive identity issues. We're talking about a dysphoria that often leads to serious depression and suicide. And we've got government employees who are not psychiatrists or psychologists uh, playing with the psyche of children, uh, all in the guise of pushing an agenda and, and uh, at the same time keeping parents in the dark. Uh, that's absolutely disgraceful. Uh, how does this policy, though, violate parents' constitutionally protected rights? Uh, from a, as oh. a constitutional attorney, what, 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 are, what do parents have any rights here? Well, parents have the inherent right to raise their child in accordance to their beliefs and, and how they are the primary decision makers on their child's health care decision. They are the ones that are, as a general rule, especially in Wisconsin, that give the consent for any medical treatment. If the parent doesn't know that their child is experiencing gender dysphoria or is playing out gender dysphoria at school, um, and the child may or may not be having other psychological distress, it's typically gender dysphoria comes along with other psychological distress, they can't see the whole picture of what is going on with their child and cannot give the support that their child needs. In addition, gender identity is, is, has significance religious um, has, has issues with religious significance. So some of the treatment options that are available to a child going with gender dysphoria may violate the parent's religious beliefs. Um, it's yeah. it's a, in a direct violation to um, a parental rights that is well-founded in this country. Yeah, I, I know scripturally, uh, you know, there's a direct exhortation, you know, for men not to dress like women. Uh, you know, we, we were not to encourage confusion. Uh, to do so is, is basically an open defiance against God and how he, how we uh, carefully made, you know, wove us in the mother's womb, how we, we are fearfully and wonderfully made uh, by our creator. Uh, this is just another twisted way of, of, of mocking God in a way that's very destructive to ourselves because God is very loving. He wants what's best for us. Uh, Satan is very deceiving and very destructive. And, uh, and the ways of this world are very destructive. So I, I see a clear spiritual dimension here, a theological uh, dimension here that uh, parents um, you know, need to be able to have uh, respected. It's, it's their home. They raise up their child the way they should go. And, uh, and the state should have nothing to do with it, uh, absent a, a compelling state interest of, of harm or safety uh, issues with the child. So uh, we see that this is, um, this is in fact, as, uh, associated with, significant psychological distress um, is uh, the policy is also understand that they can they can conflict with the uh, the general rule of Wisconsin requiring parents to to give consent to uh, to medical treatment for their children how does that play out well if the, if the school is affirming the transition that's one possible treatment for for a child going through gender dysphoria there are multiple studies that show that 80 to 90 percent of children experience gender dysphoria given time will revert back to their biological gender um, if they're given time to just 
to to slowly walk what they are experiencing. Because again, gender dysphoria has, it typically comes with other psychological distresses. So you don't know if this is a symptom or a syndrome. Right. And it's often uh, in response to a, an event, uh, possible sexual molestation or something that's happened that has uh, causing them to want to be someone else. Uh, that what they've gone through and who they are, they want to escape it, they want to run from it. And one way psychologically is to pretend you're someone else, a different person, so you can be separate from that other person that's caused that's gone through this trauma. Of course, that doesn't work, uh, and it, it doesn't resolve the the issues and the, the real healing that's needed. Um, so that's a that general premise of of parents uh, having to give consent for medical treatment in a way would apply potentially, arguably, for a child's uh, not just physical health but also psychological health and decisions being made that could impact that, i.e. a teacher promoting and pushing a child uh, into dysphoria to entertain the dysphoria, to practice the dysphoria. Uh, I think that's a valid argument. What For some parents, I understand that gender identity issues also have um, you know, religious significance. Uh, this policy does interfere clearly, I think, with the free exercise uh, rights of parents. Um, is, is, that, uh, is that one of the arguments that should be presented as well? Absolutely, because it, it's the child, it's the parent's prerogative, and it's their right to determine what is the best treatment for the child. And if this, what's happening is that the school districts are overriding the parents and the healthcare officials, the healthcare professionals who are treating this child, and the, the school district, through their to the staff and the teachers, it decide is deciding that no matter what, if a child has gender dysphoria, we're going to affirm it and we're going to enable it. Yeah. And if a psychiatrist weighs in and sends them a letter and says, cease and desist all future promotion of dysphoria for this child, do not entertain it. This is not in the best interest of the child and what the child is going through and what they've gone through. Uh, this will be con contrary to the treatment and the welfare of the child. There's no room for that. That would just be ignored based on this policy, right? By, by some school teachers who know nothing yeah. about mental health, psychiatric treatment. Absolutely. In fact, how would the parents know? Right? They, right. they would have no idea because the child at school is one person and has to be a different person at home. And it creates this absolute wedge between a child and their parent. It's, it's the school telling their, their, the, the student, the child, to be deceitful to their parent, right. to not let them know what's going on in their lives. And yeah. these are, the plaintiffs are parents of middle school and elementary children, middle school and elementary, and there's no age. So a six-year-old could be going through this and yeah. the child may be, the school may be enabling it and affirming it with, without the parent's consent or notice. Yeah. This, uh, this school district, is it located, where's it located near? Well, it's in Dane County. So it's in Madison, the capital. It's okay. one of the most liberal areas in the state. Right. But I, I want people, though, to note, even though it's in a, a liberal area of Wisconsin, Madison, it's still Wisconsin. It's not California. Um, it's not Oregon or Washington State or Massachusetts. This is Wisconsin. And people often don't expect this kind of outrageous violation of parental rights in, you know, in the Midwest, um, much less a state like Wisconsin. Uh, I think this should be a very um, eye-opening to parents, no matter where they live in the United States. 
they can no longer take it for granted that their school district is going to be in any way uh, decent, healthy, or respectful of their rights uh, or for the, the, the true welfare of the child. Uh, whenever you have a teacher's union, in my opinion, Carol, whenever you have a teacher's union that's strong, dominant, uh, you've got a, a very dangerous situation. And unfortunately, uh, the majority of school districts across America are dominated by teachers' unions who've given into this agenda and this uh, uh, this this whole um, uh, indoctrination, if you will, at the expense of the, the welfare of children. Now, since this was adopted, uh, Carol, uh, in nineteen excuse me, two thousand eighteen, um, what's happened since? Well, the fourteen parents sued the school district, and an injunction was filed and was partially. Um, approved by the Dane County Court, but it really didn't go far enough. What the injunction allowed for was that basically if a parent asked the school, um, is my child going through gender dysphoria at school, the school would have to say yes. But the school is not under any obligation to call the parent and say, listen, your child is going through gender dysphoria and they're using a different name and a pronoun in school. It still can be hidden. And not only that, the, the plaintiffs were asking for anonymity. They didn't want to be, their names to be out to protect their children. And the court still hasn't given that. Wow. So, so I mean, if this, the child's name and everything is revealed, uh, or even the family, that could be very problematic. Um, this could impact the child even, even more severely. Uh, and it would be very intimidating for parents to stand up for their rights if they, they're not assured uh, that kind of protection. So that's, uh, that's very, uh, very concerning uh, moving forward. This Wisconsin uh, State Supreme Court, how would, you, how would you categorize them? I mean, in California, our state Supreme Court is definitely not just liberal. It's to the left uh, in, a, in a frightening way. In the Texas State Supreme Court... Um, it's, you know, God and country and respect the Constitution and uh, let's uh, have a Bible study after the session. I mean, yeah, it's, it's a very, very different. Where does the Wisconsin Supreme Court fit on that paradigm and that where, where are they at? Well, we kind of mirror the United States Supreme Court and in that um, we have um some judges that are very un that understand their limitation and that they're not in the legislative power. Um, and we've had some really good decisions as of late. Um, last summer, there was a decision that upheld parental rights and religious freedom, um, according to the Dane County um, healthcare or um, the mandate that children would not be able to go to school. And at that time, um, some parents of students who went to some religious schools sue the Dane County healthcare official um, stating that not allowing their child to go to school was an infringement on their free exercise of religion because their children were being denied attending mass or um, the community prayer within their schools. And um, the Supreme Court um, cited on behalf of the parents. So that's a good sign. Yeah. Um, however, there's always that tipping point where we don't know which way it will go. Okay. So it's not a unanimous uh, state Supreme Court in terms of they're all revering the concept. They're, they're, it's, it's, it's a divided court that leans towards respecting constitutional rights, but it's, it's still a divided court. And we have, we have a, one justice who 
likes to swing either way. So we never know. Yeah. Sort of a Roberts kind of guy. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Got it. Well, uh, I know we had our, on our website, I I don't want to forget this. Uh, So I know on our website, we have customized opt-out forms uh, for parents uh, uh, dealing with public school districts and to protect our children and to the extent to which states will allow it. Uh, And they're customized for each individual state. So we have one customized for Wisconsin and for different states. I encourage people out there, uh, if you haven't done so, this is a no-brainer. If you have a child at a public school, I mean, first, pray about it. Seek the Lord's direction. Seek for ways to to possibly rescue your children uh, out of a public school, uh, particularly if it's in a a hostile school district that's heavily controlled by the teachers union. Um, How do you know if it's controlled by teachers union? Just see who's on the school board. Were those school board members the picks of a teachers union? If so, it's teacher teacher union controlled. Uh, But if you're in that situation, uh, you know, look at your alternatives. But if you have your child in a public school still, uh, I encourage you to go to our website, pji.org. And under parents resources, download the opt-out forms and you can get one customized uh, for your state. I think we have just about every state covered uh, as far as customized forms. You definitely want to do that and, and get that uh, sent to the school district uh, moving forward. Carol, I understand, once again, it's pji.org. Uh, and you can also sign up for our case updates. We have lots of cases, a lot of cases that you're handling uh, right now, Carol. And I know there's other, uh, you know, we have attorneys across the country handling many cases. So people want to keep up for those, go to our website. You can sign up to get our Legal Insider, uh, which is very informative and very uh, empowering, if you will, to know what's actually going on because you really can't trust uh, media, much less YouTube, where they're censoring just about everything under the sun. All right. Now, I understand that there's also another case, a similar case. What's going on with that case? Well, as you mentioned, this is Wisconsin, right? And I've been hearing murmurs of cases like this throughout the state in rural farmland and um, subdivision, you know, subdivision um, of areas outside of metropolitan districts. So this is the Kennel Marine District, and it's it's east of Madison. It's not exactly cosmopolitan, um, but it's not rural either. So like and a suburban to, a suburban community. That's exactly it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I was going to help you. Um, so there was a 12-year-old girl at the Kennel Moraine School District who was having anxiety and depression issues. And in December of 2020, started to have um, signs of gender dysphoria. Her parents immediately sought medical attention and started researching the best treatment for her. Um, they pulled her out of school for a time period. They took her to a medical health center. And in this in this researching of what to do best for the child, they decided that it was in your, her child's best interest not to affirm the social transition to a, another gender identity. And in January, they brought the daughter back to school at the Kennel Marine School District and told the school that she's going to ask to be to use a a male pronoun and a male name at school. And we are telling you that that is not the treatment that we have decided to go through. We're not gonna affirm it. We're just gonna give her time to work through this and at, at this juncture. And the principal and the guidance counselor looked at the parents and said, we need to ask the school district what we need to do. And so on the next day, they sent a message to the parents and said, we've contacted the school district and it is our policy to affirm gender transitioning, not to deny it. 
Okay. And so against the parents' wishes, they went forward. Oh, good night. Okay, so uh, did they do this premised upon their interpretation of a, a state law or some constitutional, uh, you know, case uh, that uh, somehow they feel felt bound to do this, or was just more of this their rogue liberal policy uh, to push this this radical agenda? This was the school districts in charge. Wow. wow. Parents, you don't have a yeah, um, yeah. Medical this, professional, you don't have a right. We know what's best for the child. Yeah, um, I hope there's a lot of parents taking note of this in the next election. All I can say is, folks, remember Virginia, remember Loudoun County. Um, you don't have to put up with this. You can take back your school district. You can boot these people out, and I highly recommend people to do that. What's the name of the school district again? It's uh, what is it? Kettle, Kettle Moraine School the District. Kettle Moraine. Yes. School district. I'd pull my kids out and I'd work, start working on getting a, a slate uh, for the next school board uh, election. And uh, because they, they obviously don't respect the rights of parents and uh, they're obviously not. They're also not supported by any kind of a state mandate or a federal mandate or constitutional mandate. Um, tell us more about the, the two parents involved. Where are they coming from? Um, I don't know very much about the parents. They've, they've tried to you know, to, to keep their identity secret and the child's name secret. But I will tell you that they did pull their daughter out of the school. And within weeks, the daughter reverted back to her biological gender and to her biological, her birth name and is using her corresponding pronoun and has um, since told mental health officials and other officials that what the school was doing to her was the most harmful thing that she had going on at the time mentally. Wow. I just wonder if uh, they would uh, consider a, a separate uh, civil lawsuit for damages, perhaps. Um, it seems like that might be a plausible uh, avenue for them to take, uh, at least down the road, um, before their statute of limitations expires. But uh, whenever a school district creates that kind of harm and damage, and they're not doing it directly because of a mandate uh, pursuant to law, uh, they're, they're potentially liable, aren't they, Carol? That's right. Because yeah. this is long term effects. You don't, you know, you think about what happens in middle school. It does a lot of that. It's such a tender age for determining so much about who you are and about your relationship with your family and your parents and your God and the, and the school stepping in and telling, no, 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 we know what's best. Now, I understand that the Wisconsin Constitution uh, and the United States Constitution recognizes the, quote, inherent right end quote, of parents to, quote, direct the upbringing and education of children under their control, end quote. This means that uh, parents are the primary decision makers for their children. And the school district doesn't want to respect that. Uh, what's what's at issue here uh, in terms of going through the facts? What are some of the factual issues that uh, the court's going to be looking at? Well, they're going to be looking at the long-term harm, like we discussed with the child, and also about parental rights, um, who's in charge, and, and also limiting the school district's authority over doing such things in secret. Yeah, yeah. The, the fact this was the parents gave them notice, and they deliberately went against what the parents said, and they did it uh, in secret. And I would assume that the parents probably had some, some counseling involved. Uh, that was, they, they probably had some kind of counseling or some, some professional saying, 
you know, don't give into this. Don't let, don't have the school district, you know, play into this. Um, but the school district, some public school teachers with a, a bachelor's in, you know, education, uh, felt in, inspired to, uh, with the school district's blessing to, uh, to do something that could be very harmful to children. I personally believe at the end of the day, uh, we're going to need to see school districts pay the price big time because of these kinds of decisions. Uh, I think that's, uh, that is, is going to need to, to take place. Uh, and also we need to make sure that there's people elected at the local level, school board level, that respect the rights, rights of parents, um, but also uh, at a federal level and a state level, legislative level to pass laws respecting the rights of parents. Uh, I think Virginia is just the beginning. Um, Carol, uh, in your opinion, how do you think this is going to turn out? Well, with the current environment and the current um, state legislature that we have and the state government or the, the governor, I could see the legislature passing. Um, the governor, absolutely not. However, Wisconsin has a long history of of recognizing parental rights and strengthening it. We are the the, play, the birthplace of Yoder versus Wisconsin. Pacific Justice Institute invites you to join in the fight to protect our religious liberties. Consider volunteering in one of our California offices or become an affiliate attorney. Visit our website to find out more, pji.org. And while you're there, subscribe to our Legal Insider to keep updated on all of our current cases. Pacific Justice Institute. Together, we can make a difference. So folks, just remember, it's our God-given freedoms we're talking about. Now, let's choose to keep them. I'm Brad Dacus, president of the Pacific Justice Institute. Let's continue the fight for your freedoms. Thank you for listening in today. To find out more about the Pacific Justice Institute or the Dacus Report, call 916-857-6900 or log on to pacificjustice.org.